One afternoon, many years ago, I was walking outside and I saw something that has been etched in my mind ever since. What I saw was a dead bird lying on the ground with hundreds and hundreds of flies swarming above it. It was ominous, it was eerie, and it was creepy. And after reflecting on what I saw, I realized that it has been etched in my mind because I sense the reality of death. I could see the bird lying there all bloody. I could hear the flies swarming above it like a horror movie. And I could smell the stench of death. Death. It is tragic, but it is a reality that will happen to all of us. We will die. It's the only thing that I can guarantee will happen to every single person in this room. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what you've done. I can tell you this morning with absolute certainty that one day you will die. One day I will die. And that can be scary. It can be awkward to talk about. But it is reality. Have you ever wondered why we all die? Well, this morning our passage is not going to only tell us why we die, but it's also going to give us the answer to this great problem. So this morning we are in 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn there with me. Um, I think Charlie already came around with the Bibles. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to begin in verse 12. And I'm going to read all the way through 22. I'm really only going to preach on verse 22, but I just want to read to give us some context of what's going on here in the text. So 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12, it'll also be on the screen. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised." For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as, a, as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. This is God's holy word that cannot and does not fail. Again, I'm focusing on verse 22 this morning, so I just want to read that one more time. 
For as, uh, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The passage begins, in Adam all die. Everyone who is in Adam dies. What does that mean? For us to understand this, we must go back to Adam in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. Now, you don't have to turn there because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the text on the screen. In Genesis 1, God created everything. And then in Genesis 2, we get a very special, detailed look at how God created man. The first man that God created, his name was Adam. And in the original language of Hebrew, Adam literally means man. So he's the first man. And in, in Genesis 2, verse 7, the text says that the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So this is this detailed account of God forming man, and he takes dust of the ground, which becomes the man's body, and he breathes the breath of life into him. The breath here is literally spirit. In God's special love and care for mankind, we see the coming together of body and soul in the first man. Adam is given physical life in his body and spiritual life in his soul. Both are formed together so that to be human is to have both body and soul intimately connected together. It is to have both physical life and spiritual life. Now, after creating Adam the Lord God plants a garden in Eden. And this is a lush paradise that is flow, full of beautiful trees and flowing rivers. And in the middle of this garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this garden itself is the place of life. And the first man, Adam, enjoyed spiritual life and physical life in the garden. His spiritual life consisted of being in the immediate presence of God. There was no sin. He had direct and perfect relationship with God. And that is what true spiritual life is. True spiritual life is direct relationship with God in his immediate presence. But the man doesn't only have spiritual life, he has physical life. And his physical life consisted of him working and keeping the garden. Now, as a side note, work is a gift that was given to mankind before the fall. And as the narrative continues in Genesis 2, the Lord God gives the man a command. The Lord says to the man, in verses 16 and 17, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely eat die. Now, in the garden, this is a gracious command. I can't even imagine how many trees are in this garden, and he can eat out of all of these trees. He can even eat of the tree of life. There's one tree that he shouldn't eat, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, the day that he eats of this tree, he will surely die. Now, in the Hebrew, the phrase, you shall surely die, literally translates, you will die, die. And it's the way that the Hebrew language provides emphasis. What the text is saying 
And what God is saying is that if the man eats of the tree that he's not supposed to, he will absolutely and certainly die. And it will be an all-encompassing death to both his body and his soul. So at this point in Genesis 2, Adam is enjoying perfect life. He has physical life. He has spiritual life perfectly combined in the immediate presence of God without sin. And the man would have lived like this forever if he would have obeyed God's command. Because this life that Adam has is the life that God intended us <clears throat> the life that God intended us to have. Death is not a natural part of life. There was no death before the fall. So let's take a step back from this narrative for a moment and, and look at what's going on here. What's happening in Genesis 2 is that God is entering into a covenant with Adam. What's a covenant? According to Old Palmer Robertson, a covenant is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. That's a lot of academic language. What does that mean? A bond is a perfect commitment to one's word. God is saying that I'm going to perfectly commit to my word. A bond in blood means that it is a life and death commitment. And sovereignly administered means that God, the sovereign one, he's the one who sets the terms of the relationship of the covenant. So we have all these things going on. God is perfectly committing to his word. It's a life or death commitment, and God is the one who sets the terms. So God is entering into this type of covenant with the man, with Adam. Now at this point, Adam is the only human in all of creation. He is the covenantal head of the human race. Now what does that mean? That means that Adam is representing all humanity in this covenant with God. Adam represents all of humanity like a team captain represents his team when they do the coin toss. Whatever the team captain chooses applies to the team. Whatever Adam chooses to do will apply to all of humanity. And what this means for us is that although we weren't there, Adam is representing us. This means that our life and death hangs in the balance of the actions of this first man. So what happened? Well, everything went well until a crafty serpent entered the garden and tempted Adam and his wife to break God's covenant by twisting God's word. The serpent came in and told the wife that if they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good evil, they will not die, die. God will not be faithful to his word. So Adam's wife took the fruit of the tree and she ate it and she gave some to her husband who was standing there with her. And when they ate the fruit of the tree, they disobeyed and they broke God's covenant. And because God made a perfect commitment to his word, he was faithful in judging them and bringing them into a state of death. Now this state of death is what we call the fall. Because of the fall, Adam and Eve died, died. They died physically and they died spiritually. This is made evident by the fact that that God cursed Adam, and he said to him in Genesis 3.19, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
That's the curse of physical death. It was actually God's grace that Adam didn't die right there in the moment because that's what he deserved. But Adam and his wife Eve were also kicked out of the garden. They were kicked out of the place where God's presence was because they are now spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins and God cannot have relationship with sin. This is the curse of spiritual death. Because of their disobedience, Adam and his wife fell into a state of spiritual and physical death. They died, died. Now what does this have to do with us? Remember, Adam is the covenantal head for the human race. And because he's a covenantal head, what he did, his actions represented us. Therefore, the curse of physical and spiritual death that applied to Adam now applies to all of us. Every human being after Adam, including all of us, are born in Adam. All of us in our natural state are in Adam. And in Adam, death has the victory. In Adam, death has the sting. Because in Adam, all die. And this is why I can guarantee this morning that all of us at some point will die. Now, why? Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Physical death and spiritual death. Physical death because of disobedience. Spiritual death because God cannot have a relationship with sin. Romans 5.12 describes this really well. It puts this all together. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Sin came into the world because of Adam's disobedience to the covenant. The wages of sin is death, and so when sin entered the world, so did death. That's why they surely died, died. But death did not stop with Adam, because Adam is our covenantal head, and we are all born in him. Therefore, we have all sinned, and we will therefore die. Another way to think about this and look at it is we will all eventually die. That means that we are all sinners. If you were not a sinner, you would not die. But because you will die one day, that is proof that you are a sinner. And the reason that you are a sinner is because you are born in Adam. In other words, we are dead physically because we are dead spiritually. And in Adam, all die. In Adam, we are not like sleeping beauty in a state of deep sleep waiting for true love's kiss to awaken us. We are dead, dead, like a corpse that is found in the river. Well, that's a grotesque image because it's a grotesque reality. And the question that we must ask ourselves this morning is how can dead people come to life? How can people who are spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins come to life? How can people who deserve physical and spiritual eternal death for their sins come to life? 
I agree with Alistair Begg, who says that it will take a miracle for that to happen. And my friends, that is the miracle of Easter, because that is the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, all will be made alive. Jesus is the only way to life, because he is the only way to God. There's this belief out there that all roads or all religions or all beliefs lead to God. And in this belief, they equate being with God with eternal life. But how can all roads and beliefs and religions cause a dead person to come to life? That doesn't make any sense. People who are dead cannot bring other dead people to life. And this is the reality of it. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Charles Darwin, he's dead. Every pope has died, and every pope will die. And a person who is dead cannot bring you to life. But not only that, Evolution cannot bring you from death to life. Doing good things cannot bring you from death to life. Working hard cannot bring you from death to life. Baptism cannot bring you from death to life. The Easter Bunny cannot bring you from death to life. Only Jesus can because he is the only one who has conquered death. He is the only one who has defeated the grave. And this is why we are gathered here this morning and why millions and millions of people around the world are worshiping and celebrating God. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose from the grave. For Him to rise, He had to die. Now remember that the wages of sin is death. We deserve death because of our sin. But Jesus Christ was sinless and therefore did not deserve to die. So why did the sinless Son of God die on the cross? He died because when He was on the cross, the sins of His people were placed on Him. And at that moment, the sinless one became sin and He died. Jesus Christ, the author of life, Die, died. The only one who deserved life died the death that we deserve. But he didn't stay dead. In fact, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. He was dead and has come back to life. He was raised from death never to die again because death no longer has dominion over him. And when he rose, he triumphed over death and hell and the grave. And right now he lives to die no more because he himself is the resurrection and the life. Praise God, Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. And this is good news. But the better news is that it can apply to us. Because he is not only alive, he is the second Adam. What that means is everyone who is in Christ 
will live because Christ is their covenantal head. That means if you are in Christ, whatever happened to Christ applies to you. Because he represents you. 1 Corinthians 15.21 sums this well. We, said, we read this earlier. For as by a man, Adam, came death, by a man, Jesus Christ, has come also the resurrection of the dead. The reality that we will die is because of the reality of our sin in Adam. We deserve death because we are sinners. But Jesus Christ on the cross defeated sin. And in the resurrection, he defeated death. And if you are in Christ, these beautiful and glorious truths apply to you. In other words, the only way to be brought from death to life is to be in Jesus Christ. How does one become in Jesus? A person becomes in Jesus through repentance and faith in Him. And so this morning, if you are not in Christ, I urge you, for the sake of your life, to repent and put your faith in Him today. How do we practically do that? What does it mean to repent and put your faith in Christ? You repent by seeing the danger and the filthiness and the hatefulness of your sin because it is contrary to God's holiness and it earns you death. You repent by turning away from all of your sin in the realization that God promises life in Christ to those who repent. You repent by grieving and hating your sin so much that you endeavor to walk with God in all the ways that He commands. To sum this up, true repentance is seeing your sin for what it truly is and turning away from it. Have you done this? If repentance is turning away from your sin, then faith is turning to Christ. You put your faith in Christ by accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for salvation, growth in Christ's likeness, and eternal life. Have you done this? Faith is the confident trust that Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave as your only hope for new life. Imagine that the Red River is frozen. Probably don't have to imagine too hard because that wasn't that long ago. But imagine the river is frozen and you had to get to the other side. The most important thing that matters is how strong the ice is. You can have strong faith in weak ice, and there's no way that you'll get to the other side. But you can have weak faith and strong ice, and you'll definitely make it across. Because it's not about us. It's not about the strength of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. And if the object of your faith is truly Jesus Christ, then you will be given new life in Him. Jesus is the only one who can get you across the river. 
Because He is the only one who can bring you from death to life. Because He is the only one who has conquered death. And if you repent from your sin and put your faith in Christ, then He will do just that. He will give you new life. And through repentance and faith, if you have been given new life, God the Father looks on you as He looks upon Jesus. And He sees you in the deadness of your sins. And He says, come alive. He looks upon you in your ruin. And He says, my child, arise. In Christ, all will be made alive. And if you trust with your whole life that Jesus died and rose again for you, then you will be made alive. What does this life look like? This life looks like spiritual life now and eternal physical and spiritual life in the future. If you are in Christ, then you have spiritual life now. And this life that you have is called regeneration. What that means is that God brought you from a state of spiritual death to a place of being alive with Christ. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but through the resurrection applied by the Holy Spirit, you have been made alive with Christ. You have literally been born again. And this is not possible without the resurrection. Through the resurrection, we get to have new life in Christ. But the thing is, we will all still die in our physical bodies. So what will happen? When we die, our bodies will go into the ground, and our spirit, our soul, and our bodies will be separated. And again, this is proof that death was not a part of what God originally intended, because body and soul were meant to be together. But when we die, our bodies and our souls will be separated And if you are in Christ, your soul will get to be with God. If you are not in Christ, your soul will be brought to a place of eternal death. But when Christ comes back, our bodies will be resurrected physically. And he will bring us into a state. He will reunite our body and our soul together. And we will get to be with him in His immediate presence, face to face for the rest of eternity. We will get to live with Christ the life that God originally intended for us. You will be brought into this glorious new creation where there will be no more pain, there will be no more crying, because there will be no more sin and there will be no more death, because Jesus Christ is going to make all things new. What a glorious hope that we have in Christ. Hope that through the resurrection, death has been swallowed up with victory. And we can sing and shout with all the saints, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Because Jesus Christ has the victory in his resurrection. So my friend, if you are in Christ, live with this hope because you have been made alive in Him now. But you can also live with the hope that death 
has no dominion over you because in Christ, death has been conquered and you will one day get to live with him in perfect eternal life. In Adam, all die, but in Christ, all will be made alive. Pray with me. Oh God, what else can we do but praise you for the glorious hope that we have in Jesus Christ? Hope that you have given to us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, worthy of nothing but your hatred and eternal death. But out of your love for your people, you sent your Son to die the death that we deserve for our sin. And on the cross, you conquered sin. But we are so glad that it didn't stay there. Because if our hope was in this life only, we would be, of all people, most to be pitied. But in fact, you have rose from the grave. And because that is reality, if we are in you, we have been made alive. And we will one day get to live with you in a perfect, eternal life. God, help us live in this glorious hope today as we wait for it to be fulfilled in the future. But I also pray for those who are here this morning, who are in Adam, who are dead in their sins. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth of your resurrection, that you bring them from death to life by giving them repentance and faith in you. Pray for that miracle to happen because today is the day that we celebrate the miracle of your resurrection. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.